0: Hey there, it's Kay again. I still haven't discovered a new way of opening these things that doesn't make me feel supremely uncomfortable, so I'll just do what I usually do and, you know, ramble on a bit before giving up. Um, When I've had the time, I've been listening to other podcasts just to see how they all do it, and every week it's, Hi and welcome to the Museum of the Missing, I'm your host Kay, and, uh, no, that's not happening. So, until further notice, awkward openings ahoy! Actually, how about this? If I ever open the podcast like that, you can assume the worst and that I probably need you to call the police, okay? Okay. So, as with every week, the same drill applies. If you're joining me here for the first time, I heartily recommend that you start from episode one, otherwise you're going to get really lost really quickly. And if you've been here all along, well, hello, old friend, and welcome back. We're also lost, but in a completely different way. So this week. This week has been, well, it's been a doozy. I won't lie, I almost released this earlier in the week because it's just so, well, you'll see in a minute. Or maybe not see, but you know what I mean. I'm not even sure how to start this, it's so out there. And by now, you all know what that means. Mm Hmm. Yep, it may not feel like it's possible, especially after last week, but shit just got weirder. Remember from last week when I said i found other boxes containing even more evidence and that I'm wondering if there isn't some kind of time anomaly going on in that lockup somehow? Yeah, well, the stuff I'm going to be sharing today was found in a box I am absolutely convinced I'd already gone through. And it was there, right on top. A new folder. And its contents are... well, I'm not claiming I understand it, but it does shed some light on something that has bothered me for a while didn't really have the vocabulary to express. To be fair, a lot of this is like that. I often feel like an ant trying to understand the concept of the blue whale, but I do think we are making some progress on all of this, on some level at least. So, without further ado, we're off to the Arctic Circle. I think it's safe to assume that we're all at least familiar in some way with the Arctic. It's really cold. Polar bears live there, and it's been detrimentally affected by climate change. It's also one of those places that we've all heard of, but only a handful of us will ever visit, as it's about as hostile an environment as you can get on land, and therefore it's also still a pretty pristine environment, in terms of there being no huge cities built on it, and no real infrastructure is there, like, you know, not like New York or London or anything like that. So it kind of remains a place of mystery for a lot of us. Now, obviously, people do live in the Arctic Circle. And just to make it really clear that there's no indigenous culture erasure here. There are places in the Arctic Circle that are populated and have been for a very long time. But I'm talking about the actual North Pole, the bit that's basically ice and nothing else. Okay, right? Cool. So the folder I found was labelled Arctic Expedition. That's it. No idea if it had a designation or had anything official attached to it. And on the surface, it just looks like a collection of articles clipped out of magazines. Probably Nature or Scientific American, that kind of thing. All of the articles are about the same group of scientists who were out there measuring polar ice and looking into the whole hole in the ozone layer thing that was really important in the late 80s. If you were around then, you might remember it. I certainly do, the whole banning CFCs and stuff like that. I could go on about it as an example of a time when we actually managed to collectively do the right thing, but that's by the by in this context, so I won't. Obviously, I read the articles, but they were clearly written before the event. At first, I I wasn't sure why they'd been kept, which is probably why I passed over this folder in the first place. I must have just skimmed a couple of the clippings and thought it had accidentally been included with everything else. It just looked like someone was interested in Arctic exploration and was keeping maybe a scrapbook of the expeditions that were going on up there. You know, days before Google and stuff like that. It was only when I started reading everything in a detail that I realised the expedition started on the 14th of January 1988 and was supposed to run for three months, meaning the scientists were out in the Arctic when the event occurred. Initially, I thought it was going to be yet another account of someone disappearing in impossible space, and circumstances. And in a way I was right, but in another way I was very wrong. Because what happened to the expedition was different. Very different. First of all, none of the expedition team were celebrating their birthday on the 29th of February. Which means no one should have disappeared, right? Wrong. Underneath all the articles were more clippings reporting on how the entire expedition had disappeared. Usually, that would have been headline news, but in the context of the event, so many people vanished that it, it only really warranted a few lines. And there was some speculation that maybe they'd all perished after being knocked unconscious and maybe falling in the water or something. The simple truth is, as sad as it is, that so many people had disappeared that this just didn't stand out. And it would have been the same for me if it hadn't have been for the last report right at the bottom of the file. Now, before i tell you what the report says i need to qualify that like the report from the russian sub this isn't in english the original is in i think either norwegian or swedish possibly danish but anyway it's not english however like the russian sub report someone has tried to translate it which i can't confirm that this is actually what it says but but i'm pretty confident it's going to be accurate simply because again why would you deliberately mistranslate it? Okay, maybe if this is all a hoax, but again, it's a lot of trouble to go to, especially when all of this was hidden away in this lockup. Usually hoaxes are pretty always in the public realm. People do them because they want attention or to mess with you for some reason. And this doesn't really fit that criteria, you know? So before I read the report to you, it's a translation of a transcript. I'm guessing from hospital records or maybe a police interview. Anyway, uh, that's not important. What is important is the context. When I first read what this guy was supposed to be saying, I didn't understand the significance of it. But after doing some basic research, not only does it make weird sense, it actually backs up a lot of the thoughts I've been having. The Arctic is a unique environment. Unlike Antarctica, it's not a solid landmass. The North Pole is effectively sea ice, which makes it a kind of transitional environment. Like, the ice can break up and move, and there wouldn't be anything underneath it except water. Now, we've already identified that there is something odd going on with water and the event, that everyone who vanished seems to have done so near some kind of water source, and that they were also all born on the same day. We don't know why that is, but that seems to be the pattern. Another thing that makes the Arctic a unique environment is that it doesn't have a time zone, but rather 24 different time zones converge there. Given how much of this is focused around the nature of time, this caught my interest. The event hit the entirety of the planet all at once. It kind of engulfed us. But because of the way we measure time, it would also have been at different times of the day for different people. Like how January the 1st happens earlier for New Zealanders. If you look at it from the perspective of someone living in the UK and and vice versa. To someone in New Zealand, the UK New Year happens in the past. Which just highlights how much of the way we measure and evaluate time is very much a human construction. But obviously we looked at that in a load of detail last week. And I'm not going to rehash it here just that it's yet another example of how tiny our human perspective is when it comes to things like this. But what about places that don't have a time zone, given time zones are something humans have created for their own convenience? Previously, I might have thought it wouldn't matter, but after reading this transcript, I'm not so sure. The Arctic expedition comprised of six scientists. There may have been more people involved, but they're not mentioned in this file. So if you were there, I'm sorry you were forgotten. The report said that all six disappeared, and that rather than being involved in the Great Vanishing, they probably met sad but natural ends given how hostile the environment they were working in was. Falling unconscious, even for a short period of time, could easily have meant one or more of them could have fallen into the freezing water, and when the others tried to rescue them, Yeah, they all fell in piling tragedy upon tragedy. The authorities may not know exactly what happened, but you know, that does sound pretty plausible to me. What isn't mentioned in the newspaper and magazine articles is how one person was found. He was discovered in a terrible state, barely clinging on to life a few days after the event. Again, had circumstances been different, his rescue would have been headline news. But discovering a survivor of a doomed expedition was nothing compared to the ongoing global disaster that had just understandably dominated everything. So this scientist, a Dr. Jern Johansen, I hope I'm saying that right, was allowed to recover in relative peace. I say relative, because while his physical rehabilitation went about as well as you could hope for someone found half-dead from hypothermia, his mental rehabilitation... Yeah, that didn't go quite so well. I don't think the whole interview or patient record or whatever this is, is here. The original seems much longer, and if I could, I'd put up a picture for you guys to try to translate... But this document is affected just like the others and it's unreadable if I try to photograph or scan it. I think Dr Johansson was talking to a physician or a psychiatrist and they seem to be asking him what happened and where his colleagues are. The transcript begins with the... uh, I think I'm going to call them a psychiatrist because to me that makes the most sense given the nature of the interview. And they ask the following. By the way, everything that follows now is me reading the transcript No additional comments from me unless I tell you otherwise. Right, okay, here we go. Psychiatrist. Yun, we understand that you are upset, but what you are saying simply doesn't make sense. Dr. Johansson, there is a soft whimper and the rustle of clothing. Psychiatrist. Maybe we should start at the beginning. You were on the expedition as a marine biologist, looking into the biodiversity of marine invertebrates, Focusing on copiapod populations. Everything was as expected up until that day. Dr Johansson, interrupting. They're all gone. The sky swallowed them. They came through the water and in the air. Psychiatrist, yes, you keep telling us that, but I don't understand what it means. You need to be more specific. Dr Johansson starts laughing. Psychiatrist, to someone else in the room. Has he had his medication changed as per my instructions? I see. Maybe we need to increase his dosage a little more. Dr. Johansson, I don't need medicine. I know what I saw. I know it. I saw the sea and the sky split and the abyss where everything is real and the face of God and the chorus of the damned singing to our souls, breaking through to wreak vengeance on us all. Psychiatrist, sounding tired We have discussed this and I don't know what you mean. All we want to know is what happened to your team. Dr Johansson, voice raised. I keep telling you. It was everywhere and nowhere. A great void that opened and showed us everything. What is, what was and what shall be. And the dreamer at the centre of it all will continue to spread his gospel of entropy as he slumbers. It is his will that he creates and so with his awakening everything dies and with each awakening those places cease to be with only his chosen, save to serve in his eternal choir that both lull him and rouse him while his agent of crawling chaos heralds his arrival across all space and time and everything and everyone and there is no escape in the place where time means nothing. We saw, we saw it all all of them together, things things that don't belong here but are here all the time and were there for that moment but lasted forever but also only for a brief moment and, psychiatrist to the other person, I think Dr Johansson may need a rest. Dr Johansson, voice raises again, I do not need rest, you won't listen, it's coming. The dreamer of us all will engulf this world. This was merely his agent heralding his arrival. He will awaken here and we shall cease to be. Not dead, not alive, just nothing. Not forgotten, but to never have been. No, no, you have to listen, I'm telling you. There was a hole in the world and everyone but me fell into it. I was further away. I just glimpsed the event horizon of that call, heard the voice of a god so huge it encompasses the universe. And as a side note, I am not making this next bit up at all. Patient starts babbling in a language no one can translate. Which, I mean, yeah, great. Next is a note clearly written by the person who was trying to interview or assess Dr. Johansson's condition. And I quote... Dr Johansson's condition continues to deteriorate. Although his physical health improves, he still can't describe his experience and resorts to the same metaphors over and over again. hulls in the world, the sky devouring his colleagues with the sea somehow helping, that he saw God or some approximation of it, a chorus of singers, whatever the dreamer is and his agent that precedes everything. What alarms me is not necessarily what he is saying, but how he says it. In all other areas, he struggles to focus and will often be found staring blankly at walls, as if traumatised by something. And please don't misunderstand me, I do believe he is traumatised. But when he speaks of this event, despite the descriptions being vague and confusing to us, they do remain consistent. The truth is, I do not believe that Dr Johansson had anything to do with the disappearance and possible deaths of the rest of the expedition. I do believe he witnessed something he is struggling to comprehend, and in turn, we are struggling to comprehend him. He is a man of science, infinitely rational, someone who seeks to understand the world around us, hardly someone prone to flights of fancy or irrational thought processes. Despite all the resources thrown at the study of the events that occurred that day, no one has yet been able to explain it with any success. In fact, no one has even come close to anything approaching a working hypothesis. Could it be that Dr Johansson is the only person we've as of yet found to have been awake when the sound engulfed the world? Did he actually witness what happened in those few moments of consciousness first-hand? And rather than interrogating him like a criminal, we should be studying him, helping him understand what he went through and therefore increasing our chances of understanding what we all experienced that day. Was it his location that allowed him the privilege to witness something that is so truly beyond that of any human? And if he is right, if this dreamer is coming, shouldn't we be trying at least to attempt to understand what this implies for the rest of us? In many ways, Dr. Johansson's predicament reminds me of the prophets of old, labelled as mad by their contemporaries but later vindicated by history. In many ways, I hope this feeling is wrong. That Dr. Johansson did indeed merely witness his friends drowning and in the physical state he was discovered in has impacted his mental capabilities. But I can't shake the feeling that he is right. That something profound beyond all our understanding happened that day. I know this isn't what the authorities want us to believe, that all of the people missing are due to a so-called natural cause, despite mounting evidence that it was anything but. That day was more than a simple disaster, more, even, than a global catastrophe. It was a reckoning, stretching our belief in everything, be it based in science or faith. Whether it was a natural occurrence that we simply have never experienced before, Or if it was an act of God, we may never know. And maybe we're not supposed to know. Maybe that explains Dr Johansson's condition. He simply witnessed something so out of the ordinary, there is literally no human explanation for what occurred. And if I am honest, that frightens me. As a species, we have long been compelled to fit nature into neat little boxes, try to order everything, moulding the universe into something that fits comfortably inside our minds, when the simple truth is, it's our belief in these labels that is lacking. That is the illusion, that we can simplify such complex systems, allowing us to believe that we are the architects of our destinies, rather than merely travellers. And when something that does not fit into those boxes arrives, our first instinct is to declare it an anomaly at best or a deliberate falsehood at worst. Like the universe itself is a trickster in need of punishment and that those who experience it as mere madmen needing to be contained and minimised. I mean, yeah, to all of that. Whoever it was assessing Dr Johansson, he sounds about right to me. Even though it's a short report, it throws up so many questions and gives a perspective of these events that I had considered but didn't know how to express. That whatever this is, it's not, I don't know, Unnatural? That whatever all this is, parallel universes, other dimensions, the nature of what reality actually is, how we perceive it is the illusion, that we bend and twist the narrative into something that makes sense to us. We currently see ourselves as the pinnacle of human achievement. With every scientific advancement, we elevate ourselves even further in relationship to the natural world around us, distancing ourselves from the past, we look back and think the people then were superstitious heathens, but really they felt exactly the same as us, that they were the learned ones, that they were the pinnacle. It's inevitable that future humans will look back at us with the same disdain. There's still so much we don't understand. People say supernatural and paranormal, like it's something to mock or dismiss, but really all it means is something we don't understand yet. And while I feel a little ridiculous saying that, it doesn't make it untrue. So what did happen to Dr Johansson? What does he mean that the sky swallowed his fellow scientists? Who or what is the dreamer? Is it really collecting souls? I'm guessing that's the people who disappeared. To join a choir of some kind. And what does that even mean? And then there's the agent who is supposed to have kicked all of this off. Who are they? I have tried to look, but everything's too vague at the moment. I think I need to look more carefully at the background stuff. There are loads of newspapers here. Could there be a hint in any of those, outside of the main articles? Is that why they were saved? Did the person who collected all this stuff do it for another reason, other than for simple posterity? Maybe all of this isn't just a random glitch. Maybe this was meant to be discovered. And I'm not saying by me, but hey, we have to work with what we've got, right? What I think I'm trying to say is, is all of this a warning? I know that 1988 is firmly in our past, but maybe. We all know that time is relative and weird. I mean, we've looked into that more than once. And it's hard to wrap your head around it because we experience time as a linear concept. But what if this dreamer doesn't? Are we next? Is the dreamer coming for us? (laughs) Okay, I I think that's enough for today. My brain is mushy around the edges thanks to this and and this new stuff. (sighs) I said it was on another level. Any theories? You know where to send them. And in the meantime, I'm going to have a nice cup of tea and watch some trash telly. So, until next time, OK. Museum of, the museum of the Missing is written, performed and produced by Claire Waller. The title song, "Museum of the Missing," was written by David Roselle, and is performed by David Roselle and Claire Roselle. It is used with permission. If you're enjoying the story, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Contact details and social media links are in the show notes. If you wish, you may also buy the podcast a coffee at Museum of the Missing. Thank you for listening. But time has gone astray is the horror of the age.